I'm your host, William Tapley, also known as the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse. Stop, the stop, 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 stop. You cannot make it look like William Tapley is supporting our program. Sorry, folks. Chris Roseborough here, just to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. And no, William Tapley is not our spokesperson. Uh, if you don't already support us financially, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. And when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, on to the program. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Monday, September 23rd, 2013. My schedule will not be as busy as it was last week, although I am trying to catch up. It was a whirlwind last week. Probably won't give the details. Did some traveling I'm tired, but we're going to slug through. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Listen, I've never met God. Have you met him? I, I mean, serious. I mean, have you had coffee with Jesus at Starbucks I haven't I mean I don't I don't get direct downloads uh, you know Patricia King style or anything like that I've never z- been zapped up into the heavenlies as far as I know you know ma- you know maybe it could be like one of those alien abduction things you know like you know you're you're driving along the road on your mo- moped and all of a sudden this beam from you know the heavens shines down right on your moped and you get sucked up into a a spaceship, and and of course, you know, you got all the gory details that go along with an alien abduction like that. But of course, most people don't remember it because you know those aliens they have super duper technology that makes it so you can't remember those experiences. Except for there's just these strange wounds on your body. You know, there's weird marks. You know, you may have suffered from an alien abduction. Of course, you know the way to. Uh, Discover whether or not you've been through an alien abduction is to go through some kind of um, memory repair therapy so that you can remember the event that you don't remember um, because but you suspect happened because of the strange wounds, you know. But so, you know, maybe I have been up to the heavenlies and just don't know it. You know, I, you know. <laughs> so maybe I need to go through like a you know, memory repair therapy or something. But no, I've, n- I've never met him. I've never met God. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, yeah, he and I have never met face to face. In fact, I really am looking forward to the day in which I get to meet Jesus. That being the case, though, despite the fact I've never met him, I really know a lot about him. 
The reason I know a lot about him is because he has taken the time over the millennia to reveal so much about himself. Now, we learn something about God in the creation. I mean, you you, you talk about different books of revelation regarding God, if you would. And the first book oftentimes is referred to by theologians as the book of nature. And this is what Romans chapter 1 alludes to, the fact that uh, men are without excuse because the very creation, you know, uh, screams at them that God exists. And so I know something about God, very powerful. Um, that would be one of the things you could say, very creative, very artistic. And just, you know, the things that he's created are absolutely beautiful. But then if I were to just look at nature, I, if I were just to look at nature all by itself, um, I would, you know, maybe I might be tempted to, you know, to have the type of religion that the Native Americans in, uh, you know, here in the United States, you know, before there were white people, uh, you know, taking over the land, uh, you know, the type of religion they have where they saw, you know, uh, spirits and, you know, the big spirit in the sky and the different, you know, in the rocks and the trees and nature and animals and things like that. I might be tempted along those lines because uh, when you think about it, you know, the, the world, aside from being beautiful, is extremely dangerous. You know, I mean, you could be doing something as mundane as walking down a trail, you know, in nature, you know, taking in the sights and the smells and, you know, listening to the birds. And, and while enjoying all of this great nature, you, you could literally trip and fall and really badly hurt yourself. You know, you could break a bone in such a way that, you know, you 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 need extreme medical condition. And if you don't get it, I mean, you could be, you know, maimed for the rest of your life. You you may even die. I mean, so you know, something as simple as you know going out in nature is a deadly experience. It can be. It's not one of those things that's a guaranteed. You know, just a super simple thing that's going to happen, and and all things are going to be happy. I mean, you know. So, and then you got thunderstorms, and you got tornadoes, and you got earthquakes, and then you got floods, and then you got hurricanes, and and volcanoes, and you know all of these horrific things that are capable of major catastrophes, and you tsunamis, and things like that. And you're thinking, you're just looking at nature, you go, "There's something wrong with this planet." And you can't quite figure it out. Well, the reality is this, is that nature can only take you so far uh, when it comes to God and what he's like. And so we need some definitive revelation from God in order to, so that we can know something about him. I can't figure this out intuitively. You can't figure it out intuitively. And uh, people have tried. I mean, if you look at the the work of philosophy over the millennia, uh, over and again, God is a, one of the major topics of the uh, the topic of philosophy. And the one thing you learn in learning about philosophers is that there really doesn't seem to be any consensus regarding God. You know, one generation... Uh, philosophers will argue this way about God, and then the next generation of philosophers that comes up under those philosophers seem to, you know, make it their life goal, you know, to uh, overthrow the philosophy of of their philosophical fathers. And so, you know, the, the, what people think about God becomes, you know, kind of like the thought of the day, you know, and and certain people and certain beliefs are are held to based upon certain gifted philosophers. And once that philosopher dies, and the next group of gifted philosophers rises the whole landscape changes i mean this was a, a lot we've seen this in our own lifetime with the change from modernity to post-modernity and uh you know what has this taught us about god <laughs> well 
probably next to nothing. <laughs> That's the way I look at it is, you know, speculation isn't going to get us very far either. And philosophizing has, well, this, the Bible warns against it. So wh- where do we go to get a definitive answer of who God is? I mean, nature screams at us that he exists. But I, I want to know who's the God that made all of this? Why are things as bad as they are? Um, you know, and why is life so short? Why is it so mean in that shortness, you know? And the, the answer is this. God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in his word. And the ultimate revelation of God is found in the incarnation where God becomes a man in Jesus Christ. And so with what we have in scripture, you know, from beginning, you know, from Genesis all the way to the book of Maps, uh, we have a definitive revelation about God and what he's revealed we can know with certainty. What he hasn't revealed, it's best if we just, you know, not go there. You know, listen, you don't want to try to fill in the uh, the biblical dots, if you would, or the gaps that exist in the in in the scripture regarding how God has revealed Himself and what He's revealed uh, in there. You don't want to fill in the gaps using logic and syllogism and philosophy and speculation and intuition and hunches and stuff like that. You know, stay away from that kind of stuff. What you really want to go to is the definitive Word of God. In Scripture, listen, the Bible is such a complex, in-depth book that I assure you, as somebody who's been a student of God's Word for decades, uh, you know, most of my life, I have yet to master it. And I, I assure you that if you apply yourself to mastering God's Word, you will not complete the task before the day in which you die or Christ returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. And But in going in-depth and understanding God's word and really digging into what is revealed there in context, properly exegeted, you are going to find out so much about God. And the primary thing I could tell you about God is that he loves you, that he loves you. And the reason I say that is because so many people think that God has it out for them. Uh, don't think that. Don't think that. Scripture reveals that you know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so the message that Christians have to proclaim to the world is not merely that God exists. I mean, lots of religion claim you know they claim that God exists, but that God loves us and He has given us the explanation as to why things are as bad as they are, and the solution that He has provided is Himself. It's himself. Rather than sending us all to hell as we deserve because of our rebellion and our sin against him, instead, he has become a man and has propitiated his own wrath so that we might be saved. So there's some really good news there in Scripture. All right, let's talk about what we are going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. This isn't another one of those episodes where I'm looking at what I want to talk about and I'm looking at my time and I'm looking at what I want to talk about, and I'm looking at my time and going, there's the problem. Yeah, so think of it this way, is, is that uh, there's certain things we may not get to today. That's all right. If we don't get to them today, we will get to them tomorrow or on Thursday. So you just be prepared for that. Uh, but let's talk about what uh, what I want to talk about, and we'll kind of work out from there. Number one, I have a William Tapley, 30 Gill of the Apocalypse, co-prophet of the End Times Update. Uh, to kick off the week this week, and uh, we're going to be listening to <laughs> William Tapley um, tell us how recent sporting events have been verifying Bible prophecy. You see, you know, 
listen, you know, one of the jokes about uh, prophetic punditry is, you know, as it's come to be known, is that uh, oftentimes prophetic pundits, you know, they will try to, you know, understand what's going on by having their newspaper open in one hand and their Bible, you know, open up in the other hand to try to start connecting the dots, if you would, in order to, uh, you know, to tell us what's coming next. Is what's happening currently in the Middle East, you know, a fulfillment of a specific eschatological prophecy that we can somehow hang our hat on so that we can start marking in our calendars when the day that Jesus is going to return is? Uh, <laughs> well, um, William Tapley has taken this methodology to a new level, if you would. And uh, it's probably not a higher level, but a lower level. Not only does he read his Bible with his newspaper open, <laughs> the newspaper newspaper is open to the sports page. <laughs> it's just, you just can't write this kind of humor. Anyway, so, uh, and then what we will do is I've got a, uh, I have a couple of news stories that I want to get to. I've got a Roman Catholic Church update. I have not had the opportunity to weigh in on the latest things that the Pope has been saying, and so I'll be looking at a news story that uh, the headline reads, Pope Francis, uh, Catholics should not be obsessed with speaking of against homosexuality and abortion. This, boy, I've seen this template before. Uh, in fact, I'm beginning to believe that Pope Francis is, you know, not only is he the first Jesuit um, um, pontiff, um, but uh, I think we're dealing with the fact that we're dealing with the first postmodern pontiff, if you would. I'm trying to work on alliteration there. So so I think we're dealing with a postmodern pont pontiff. We'll talk about that. I may weigh in, just pass on uh, the information uh, about a uh, you know persecution update, if you would. Uh, 81 Christians have been killed in Pakistan's deadliest ever church attack. Something to consider, that being a Christian uh, does not guarantee that you're going to have your best life now, especially if you li live in a Muslim nation. And then what we'll do is we'll take a break, and when we come back from the break, we are going to uh, be listening to a portion of a sermon preached by Gary Lamb. Now, this is not our sermon review, but uh, Gary Lamb is back. He's a pastor again after his affair that he had with his secretary, which led to a divorce, uh, which then led to him fathering a, a child with his new uh, wife. Um, he's uh, since uh, feels that he's been properly uh, reestablished in the pulpit, and he's back to preaching at a church called Action Church in Canton, Georgia. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, all of the things that we were featuring about Gary Lamb prior to his adulterous affair that uh, made it so that we felt that he was not qualified to be a preacher, all of that and more has reemerged as some further proof that we're probably not dealing with a man who's qualified to be preaching and teaching and being a pastor. And we'll be playing part of his recent sermon entitled um, Anger Week. Uh, it is Anger Week 1, and so we'll be listening to Gary Lamb and kind of playing that game. Um, remember from Sesame Street? I'll play the music when we get there. Remember Sesame Street? They used to uh, have that uh, that game. You know, one of these things is not like the other. We're, I think we'll do that while listening to... Um, uh, Oh man! To while we're listening to Gary Lamb wax eloquent, and then uh, in hour number two, um, we will be uh, we will be listening to a sermon from Wes Dupin from uh, Daybreak uh, Church in Hudson, uh, Michigan, entitled "House of Blues: The Thrill Is Gone." The th House of Blues: The Thrill Is Gone, and this is one of those sermons that I, I'm thinking 
what makes this a sermon? Um, so that's what how we're going to fill out today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. If I don't get to uh, one thing or another, yeah, don't worry, I'll uh, get get to it um, at a, in a future installment of Fighting for the Faith. So you know, those are the things I'm hoping to get to today. But uh, with that, I think we're going to need to dive into the program proper. And since we're doing a William Tapley Thirtygill of the Apocalypse, co-prophet of the End Times update, that requires us to do. Um, this. That's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Turn world so the song needs dummies. Serve your own needs. Feed it up an ox. Speak grunt. No street. The ladder starts to clatter with fear. Fight down. High fire in a fire. Represent seven games in a government for hire in a combat site. Left to us coming in a hurry with the furies breathing down. Your neck. Team, my team reporters battle Trump, Jeff, and Crop. Look at that, no plane. Fine, then. Uh oh, overflow. Population comment, but it'll do. Save yourself, serve yourself. World shows its own needs. Listen to your heart, be dummy with the rapture and the reverend and the right. Right? You patriotic, patriotic, slam, fight, right, I feel it. Pretty sight. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the of the world as we know it and I feel fine dun, 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 dun. yeah that's right that's our uh, third eagle of the apocalypse cult prophet of the end times update music now like I said there, there's p- prophetic pundits have a tendency if you would to uh, read their bible have their bible open in one hand and uh, their newspaper open up in the other And, well, um, William Tapley is the only guy that I know uh, that, for whatever reason, um, when he has his newspaper (laughs) opened, um, he not only has it opened, you know, to the regular sections of the newspaper, but he also has it open to the sports page. And apparently there are sporting events and sporting news that verifies Bible prophecy Here's William Tapley to explain, and yes, you probably should assume the crash position and take all of the proper necessary precautions to not hurt yourself while listening to this segment of Fighting for the Faith. Here we go. Welcome to Revelation Unraveled. Now, I'm going to skip the rest of my usual introduction because this is just a very short video. As you know, I have been saying for quite some time now that God sometimes verifies Bible prophecy in sporting events. And the example I gave just a week or so ago was that Tommy Morrison, former heavyweight champion, died at the age of 44. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, did you did you miss this? You know, when Tommy Morrison died, you know, that, that he was 44. Did you miss the prophetic biblical significance of that particular thing? I, I, I did. And as you know, Barack Obama's number in Bible prophecy is... 44, because he is our 44th president. And a subscriber sent me a note saying that when Tommy Morrison won his heavyweight championship, he defeated George Foreman, and George Foreman was 44 himself. Gasp, no way. Wow, it can't be possibly, it can't possibly be a coincidence. It must be, dun-dun-dun-dun, Bible prophecy. Oh, man. He was defeated. And that brings me up to the boxing match this weekend, where Floyd Mayweather will be going for his 45th victory. Will he achieve that? He has won 44 times. 
Now, I'm not going to make a prediction this time because I previously predicted that there would be no 45th Super Bowl, and I got burned on that one. <laughs> yes, you did, <laughs> which actually makes you a false prophet, William. And our Lord did not choose to make that particular event prophetic, but he made this weekend. So I will be keeping my eyes out, and you should too. And that brings me up to another occurrence this past week, and that is uh, a YouTube subscriber by the name of Rosebush, and he spells that R-O-Z-E-B-O-O-S-J-E. Now, I, I need to make a, an announcement here. I am not Rosebush, so don't think that I'm do, messing with William Tapley here, because I don't do that. Subscribe to my channel, and I was very much surprised at this. Because he has been a regular critic of mine. So I thought I would go to his channel. And I never did find out if he has changed his mind or not. But right away I saw he had a very interesting title on one of his videos called Magic Head Wound. And of course, I immediately thought in the book of Revelation of the Antichrist who suffers a head wound. I'm sure you did. So I thought I would show you a clip from Rosebush's video. I don't think he will mind. And it's really very comical because this Spanish soccer player fakes a head wound. And the number on his jersey is 11. Now this uh-huh. Okay. All right. So you see, I, if it wasn't for William Tapley, I would miss all of this important prophetic sports stuff. This occurred several years ago, but I do believe it is very prophetic. This event our Lord did use to verify Bible prophecy. All right, so they're, uh, they're showing video of the soccer player. Now he's grabbing his head, and he's falling to the ground, and now he's replaying it again, and, oh, it just looks terrible, you know. Oh, faking a head wound. This is just awful. And William Tapley keeps going backwards and forwards with the video. Um uh, you can't see it, but I'm seeing it, and I don't see any special prophetic significance. <sighs> now, the number 11 is another number for the Antichrist. It's not as well known as 666, but it is also a homosexual number. And the starter numbers on a barcode are configured as 11s. That is two thin lines, and there are three of them on a barcode, the first, the middle, and the last. And they represent the number six. So this Spanish player who was faking his head wound was a reflection of the Antichrist. And as you know, Scripture says the Antichrist suffers a head wound. And yeah, I'm aware of that. And as I have said all along, this does not mean that he personally will suffer a head wound. Because... Okay, how are there other ways to suffer a head wound if you are not going to suffer it personally? <laughs> okay, okay. if I told you, listen, um, my brother suffered a head wound, you would think, well, my brother personally suffered a head wound. You'd think that. And I, and I said, oh, no, don't think that he personally suffered a head wound because that wasn't the personal type of head wound that he suffered. <laughs> you would look at me and go, um, we probably need to uh, make an appointment. Um, you might need to have your meds checked. The Antichrist is a beast with seven heads. In other words, only one of his seven heads suffers a wound, and it's not necessarily a head wound. 
And what do those seven heads represent? This is um, the Dodgers? We're talking about sports here. I don't know. What, what do they represent? This is what we need to find out. And as I have been saying, those seven heads represent the world's seven religions, the seven world's religious leaders who will support the Antichrist. And the number one religious leader who will support the Antichrist is the false prophet. And even Perry Stone is beginning to pick up on this. I noticed in one of his recent books, he admits that the Antichrist has seven heads with names of blasphemy, and only one of his heads is wounded. So let's take a look at that passage in Scripture. Yeah, let's do that. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. Yeah. And all the world wondered after the beast. Well, of course, this is very interesting. I am predicting that the false prophet will suffer the wound, not necessarily a head wound, that the Antichrist will revive him and bring him back to life. And all of this because a soccer player faked a head wound and he was wearing the number 11. Whew. Whereupon the false prophet will claim that the Antichrist is divine. But as we can see from this passage in the Bible, John says, as it were. In other words, this is all fakery. This is a plot between the Antichrist and the false prophet. Very much like that magic head wound by that soccer player. And I want to thank Rose Bush for letting me know about that video and for uploading it. And as you can see, it's very comical that the Antichrist head wound will be phony uh, huh. so there you go i mean if you hadn't made that prophetic eschatological connection well don't worry <laughs> william tapley is always on the job and so he those types of things never never ever um <laughs> slip past him moving along That's right, it's time for our Roman Catholic Church update. The headline reads, Pope Francis, Catholics should not be obsessed with speaking against homosexuality. And abortion. That's right. This is written by Heather Clark, and I found this over at ChristianNews.net. ChristianNews.net. Uh, Dateline Rome, in an article published on Thursday by the Italian magazine La Civilita Cattolica. Yeah, my Italian is es no bueno. Um, Pope Francis explained that he believes the Roman Catholic Church needs to find a, quote, New balance in reaching unbelievers rather than focusing predominantly on the issues of homosexuality and abortion. During the lengthy piece, which covered a variety of topics from being a Jesuit to the role of women in the church, Francis pointed out, pointed back to comments he made last month when he asked how Catholics can reach out to people who are divorced or involved in same-sex relationships. In, quote, in Buenos Aires, I used to receive letters from homosexual persons who are socially wounded because they tell me that they feel like the church has always condemned them. 
But the church does not want to do this, he said. During the return flight from Rio de Janeiro, I said that if a homosexual person is of good will and is in search of God, I am no one to judge. By saying this, I said that the catechism says religion has the right to express its opinion in the service of the people, but God in creation has set us free. It is not possible to interfere uh, spiritually in the life of a person. To which I'm going... What does that sentence mean? hmm. Let me continue reading a little bit before I comment, though. Quote, a person once asked me in a provocative manner if I approved of homosexuality. I replied with another question. Tell me, when God looks at a gay person, does he endorse the existence of this person with love or reject and condemn this person? We must always consider the person, Francis continued. Quote, in life, God accompanies persons and we must accompany them. Starting from their situation, it is necessary to accompany them with mercy. Uh, when that happens, the Holy Spirit inspires the priest to say the right thing. What does this mean? Um, I feel like I'm listening to uh, one of Pierce's ponderous prophecies. The story then continues. Francis also stated that Catholics need to be more diverse in the issues that they address to attract more people to Roman Catholicism. Quote, we cannot insist only on issues related to abortion, gay marriage, and the use of contraceptive methods. This is not possible. He said, I have not spoken much about these things. I, I, I was reprimanded for that. But when we speak about these issues, we have to talk about them in a context. And the teaching of the church, for that matter, is clear that I am a son of the church, but it is not necessary to talk about these issues all the time. Francis asserted that men should proclaim the gospel on every street corner, but in a more general sense rather than harping on moral issues. It just makes me want to ask the question, um, how does Pope Francis define the gospel? I mean, Scripture, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 15, defines the gospel as, uh, you know, that first and foremost, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and that he was raised again on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. So um, what does it mean to proclaim the gospel on every street corner in a more general sense? By the way, abortion, homosexuality, murder, um, you could talk about sexual sins, stealing, all of that. Those are the sins that must be brought up as a means of getting to the gospel. You know, for instance, you know, if you were in prison and went not 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 because you went to prison, but because uh, you were there to share the gospel, you, you maybe you might find that it might be relevant, you know, if you were talking with somebody who was a prisoner who's been sentenced to some time in prison uh, for thieving, you know, for going out and stealing stuff, uh, you might want to sit down and have a conversation with them about the fact that, you know, the scriptures make it clear that it is a sin to steal. And God has said, thou shalt not steal. And so here you are justly deserving and serving a punishment for breaking that commandment, which is then also carried over into the general society uh, in the, the U.S. legal code. And uh, but, that, but not stop there. I mean, listen, you've sinned. Okay, well, that's you got to preach the law lawfully in order to expose people's sin. But then that then gives you you know the 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 next step that you got to take is to actually preach the gospel and say listen Christ died for your thieving you know god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not counting men's trespasses against them but god made him jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that we might be the righteousness of god so repent of your thieving and be forgiven Christ has shed his blood for your sins and is calling you to repent and to be forgiven see you see how that all works together so you know the idea is the church has much to say about 
um, same-sex sins. The, 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 the church has much to say about abortion. The church has much to say about a lot of things. But it never, never should be that the, the church only has to say, oh, I just want to make sure that we've got everyone on, in line here. Abortion's a sin, right? Right, 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 right. Congratulations, we've done our work. No. You know, you know listen, abortion is murder. And there are many, many, many women who are guilty of murdering their children through abortion. And the good news is this. Christ died even for those sins. And if you're guilty of murdering your child through abortion, and that's what your, your, your child is, that wasn't your own body. That was a completely different human being. If you're guilty of doing that, well, here's the deal. It's a sin. And you are unrighteous for doing that. You stand condemned before God, and you know it. But the good news is this. Christ died for that sin. Repent. Confess your sin. Admit that God is right in saying, Thou shalt not murder, and that you are guilty of transgressing God's holy law. And know this, that Christ took that sin upon himself on the cross. Repent and be forgiven. Because there is hope in Christ. Because Christ forgives all kinds of sinners. He forgives prostitutes. He forgives tax collectors. He forgives murderers. He forgives thieves. He forgives coveters. He forgives those who despise authority and, and disrespect their parents. He forgives idolaters. So there is hope for you because Christ died for that sin. Repent and be forgiven. You see how this all works? But here I'm listening to, you know, I'm reading this, these statements by Pope Francis and none of it makes any sense to me. We, can, we cannot insist only on issues related to abortion, gay marriage, and the use of contraceptive messes. This is not possible. He says, I've not spoken much about these things. I was reprimanded for that. But when we speak about these issues, we have to talk about them in a context. And the teaching of the church, for that matter, is clear that I'm a son of the church. But it's not necessary to talk about these issues all the time. And he says, I proclaim the gospel, uh, men should proclaim the gospel on every street corner, but in a more general sense, rather than harping on moral issues. The person that Pope Francis reminds me the most of, there's actually two people that Pope Francis really reminds me of, and I've seen this play out before. Uh, Pope Francis reminds me of, well, um, Brian McLaren of the Emergent Church. Uh, Pope Francis also reminds me a lot of Rick Warren. I think we're dealing with the first postmodern pope, and uh, this is not good. All right, we are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Uh, during the break, we're going to be premiering a brand new Max Holiday uh, sketch entitled Harvest Chapel Star Chamber, one of our darker Max Holidays. Don't want to miss it, but stay tuned. We will be right back. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough. 
of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. presents Church Day Select. summoned here to answer for your crimes against the church. Hold on. What crimes? All I know is that an hour ago I was sound asleep in my own bed, minding my own business, and then you people broke into my house, threw a black bag over my head, and then forcibly dragged me to this horrible place. And you, <laughs> you, you have the audacity to tell me that I've committed a crime. Silence! We will not tolerate insolence from the mouth of the guilty. Let the trial begin! Oh, pyrotechnics. <laughs> nice touch. Sitting in James McDonald's place today as High Chancellor Mark Driscoll. Thank you, Bailiff. Please read the charges. Henry Wigan, you have been charged with high treason against Harvest Bible Chapel for having an unauthorized opinion. You've got to be kidding me. Is it true that on your blog that you accused James McDonald of being financially irresponsible? Of course! Plunging the church into $65 million of debt Silence! Is- we have already heard your opinion and it is for this slanderous accusation that you have been brought here before us. It's not an opinion, it's a fact! Oh, is it? We shall now vote on the validity of your so-called opinion. All of those in favor of Mr. Wiggins' opinion being null and void, say aye. Aye! Well, there you have it. Your opinion is not valid. That's absurd! You can't simply vote away facts because you disagree with them. In the church, it is the elder board that has the ultimate authority to decide what is truth and what is not. When we have consensus, we speak for God. It is for precisely this heretical worldview held by the elder board that I created my blog in the first place. Church matters are not to be tried in the court of public opinion. Publicizing viewpoints rejected by the elder majority for any reason is satanic to the core and must be dealt with very directly, which is why you are here. (laughs) Hold on, let me get this straight. So what you're saying 
is if the Elder Board were to vote on what color the sky is, then whatever the majority agrees on, be it purple, pink, or brown, would be reality, regardless of the fact that the sky is clearly blue. Yes! Were you dropped on your head as a child? That's beside the point. What you fail to realize is that the cult of the individual is coming to an end. We are the collective, you see. We must eradicate the poisonous ideology of individualism from the conscious minds of our church community if we are to fulfill the vision of our leader. <laughs> you know, that sounds an awful lot like fascism, if you ask me. Or anybody else for that matter. If that's what it takes, then so be it. money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents. All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yay. I've always wanted two tin cans and a string. It's one of those communicated devicey thingies. Now you can talk to your friends of a long... Ow. Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Warning, if your pastor isn't actually qualified to be a pastor, you probably shouldn't be going to the church that the pastor is not qualified to be the pastor. God made qualifications for a reason, and pastors need to meet them. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. Now, I'm going to announce, today is the uh, first official day that we're going to begin our bake sale. Um, 
Usually in the summer we do this. We're we're doing it late summer, right at the beginning of fall this year. And we have uh, a new supply of uh, T-shirts, brand new design of uh, Pirate Christian Radio T-shirts that we have made available for sale uh, as a result of a generous donation from a listener, uh, Pastor uh, Daniel Price out there at uh, Trinity in uh, northwest Arkansas. And uh, so we've got two colors. We've got a red one and a blue one. And it's, by the way, if you, you know, these are fantastic uh, shirts, and I'm very happy to announce that this year I'm not wearing double XL <laughs> Because uh, I've been losing weight, I'm down to single XL. This is improvement. But, but uh, just, uh, you know, if you would like to get your uh, uh, two, 2013 Bake Sale t-shirt to support Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio, the, you do, the way you do so is visit Pirate Christian Radio, not Fighting for the Faith, but PirateChristianRadio.com forward slash Bake Sale. Uh, they are nineteen ninety five a piece, and that includes shipping and handling for uh, listeners in within the United States, if you live outside of the United States, send us an email and, in fact, send it to support at piratechristianradio.com. We will work up a, uh, an estimate as to how much the, uh, the shipping is going to be more than an estimate. We'll tell you what the shipping costs are going to be, and then we can work out how to uh, send those to you. So the listeners outside of the United States of America... Um, when you get there, send us an email, support at piratechristianradio.com. Let us know how many shirts and what sizes you would like to order, and then we will uh, tell you what the uh, the total shipping costs will be, and uh, we'll work it out from there. But again, it's piratechristianradio.com forward slash bake sale. And of course, if you'd like to support us our normal way, visit fightingforthefaith.com. Click on one of our friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. And if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button or you, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here at uh, Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio without it. Okay, moving along. This will be our update for this for this uh, segment. Here we go. That's Big Bird. Yummy, yummy bird seed. I got all spread out there, all ready to eat here. Wow, look at that. Gee, I could play a game with these the way I've got it. Why not? One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so. All right, so one of these things is not like the others. And uh, to kind of make the uh, point, what we will do for this segment, we will begin... Uh, see if you can identify which of these things is not like the other. So we'll, I will begin with the Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Listen carefully. Uh, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this pastoral epistle, says, This is why I left you, Titus, in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, here's, here's the qualifications. Here we go. So think of these as qualifications for a pastor. If anyone is a Above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, 
a lover of the good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Okay, so th- that's our first contestant. See if you can I- identify which of these things doesn't belong. Now, contestant number two in our uh, little game that we're playing to here today, one of these things is not like the other, is uh, from Action Church. At You can find this at actionchurch.tv. This is Gary Lamb. Um, and just listening t- to the opening segment, of his sermon entitled Anger, you know, from his Anger series, and this is week one. Listen in, see if you can identify which of these things is not like the other. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, by the way, that's part of the sermon. That's what he picked. Ex-wife number one? How many ex-wives do you got?
So that that's ex-wife number one's jab. She took a jab at you and said, even though you can't stay married, you're still a pastor. That's her jab. Hang on a second. Okay, let, let me uh, bring in contestant number two today uh, for our game of one of these things is not like the other. Uh, this will be First uh, Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1. This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, think of pastor here, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's own church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up, conceited, and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, uh, the pastor must be well thought of by the outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into a snare. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them be first tested. So you, you get what I'm saying here. So uh, that's contestant number two. So it's contestant number one is Titus. Chapter 1, contestant number 2 is First Timothy chapter 3, and let's go back to uh, contestant, I'm sorry, contestant number 3 is First Timothy chapter 3, but let's go back to contestant number 2 here. See if you can figure out which one of these things is not like the other. Let's continue. So those are our three contestants. Um, again, uh, let's go back to the Sesame Street rhyme and uh, so that we can finish off our, our, our little game that we're playing here. Why not? One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is, is not like the other? I'll tell you if, if it is so. Mm. All right, so let's finish off our little game here, kind of Sesame Street style. So uh, our thing number one that we're taking a look at, contestant number one, is, uh, is again, 
the Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Let me review. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order. The, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of the good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Okay, so that's contestant number one. Contestant number two, I will not replay that, um, unless my ears begin bleeding, is Gary Lamb and him regaling us with the story of what happened just not too long ago at his son's football game, where he uh, let us know that he's got uh, ex-wife number one. Not sure if we're up to ex-wife number two here yet, but... um, his uh, ex-wife, number one, was ribbing him about the fact that he can't seem to stay married, and then he went off on some guy at the uh, stands at his son's football game. Uh, so that's contestant number two. Contestant number three is First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, uh, actually verse uh, well, 1 through 7, which reads, this, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, think faster. He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Someone does not uh, know how to manage his own household, how we care for God's church. He must be not be a recent convert so he doesn't become puffed up. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may f- not fall into disgrace and into the snare of the devil. So, one of these things is not like the others. Yeah, can you figure out which one it is? If you <laughs> if you need help figuring this out, um, send me an email, and uh, I'll see if I can <laughs> straighten you out. But I I think this is pretty obvious. Okay, and so here's the big idea, if you would. Um, don't you think God, the Holy Spirit? has the right to decide who is and who isn't qualified to be a pastor within his church? I mean, this is God's church, not my church, not your church or anyone else's church. Why is it that Gary Lamb is a pastor when God's word clearly states that he is not qualified to be so? Uh, What's the point of calling yourself a Christian pastor, saying that you're going to preach the word to us, uh, when you won't actually listen to what it says and obey it. You, you know what I mean? All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Sermon review. We got a sermon review of entitled House of Blues, The Thrill is Gone by Wes Dupin out there in uh, Hudsonville, Michigan. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. It's like what not to wear for theology. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio.
Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents. All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yay. I've always wanted new teeth. Oh, sorry, dear. I seem to have accidentally wrapped my spare dentures. <laughs> Here's your real present. Oh, look. It's a glow stick. We all know how much you like Star Wars, so we got you one of those lightsaber thingies. Oh, thanks. Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about Think Geek. At Think Geek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. We're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Sermon review time. But let's do this right. Here we go. the bad and uh, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon uh, comes to us via Daybreak Church, Hudsonville, Michigan, West Dupin, presiding. The name of the sermon is entitled House of Blues. That's the sermon series. The sermon itself uh, in the series is called The Thrill is Gone. You know, based upon that blues song, The Thrill is Gone. And as you are listening to this, um, see if you can figure out um, how on earth Wes Dupin thought that this was an appropriate 
Christian sermon because I'm um, well I didn't see it when I reviewed it so let me go ahead and kill the music and without any further ado here is Wes Dupin and his sermon entitled uh, House of Blues The Thrill is Gone here we go is gone let me just be honest with you sometimes my thrill is gone my laughter is not there. And uh, I, I start to even look at my faith and I start to wonder, what has happened to my faith? I've heard so much about, you know, you've, when you give your life to Christ, this is going to happen. And it doesn't happen that way. We're going to talk about how to have that thrill in your life forever. You see, so Christianity is about having some kind of thrill from your life forever. I mean, who knew? Okay, well, let's continue. The laughter is a gift from God. It's a gift. Just like someone would hand you a present, a Christmas gift. God has given to each of us the gift of laughter. Okay, so God has given us the gift of laughter. Now, I agree. All good things come from God, um, that, you know, that being the case. Um, my immediate question is, okay, um... Am I sinning if I'm not laughing enough? Um, is is there something wrong with me if I'm not laughing enough? Um, it, it, you get what I'm saying here. Something just seems a little odd, you know, a little out of place. This is kind of when maybe we should play that that music again. One of these things is not like the other. Something is weird. Something is just, mm. well, let's continue. Why? Because God is a joyful God. He is a joyous God. He loves laughter. God wants your homes to be filled with laughter. Okay, so God wants my home to be filled with laughter. Um, okay, rather than making these assertions about God, don't you think it would be wise to, you know, maybe find a passage in Scripture that says, God wants your homes to be filled with laughter? Don't you think that might actually be helpful here, you know, I'm just saying, but uh, we continue. All the time. He wants your house, your home, your backyard, your porch. He wants it to be filled with laughter. Yeah, I don't remember that in the Ten Commandments, though. Do you remember that in the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt have your homes filled with laughter. I mean, do people go to hell if their homes don't have enough laughter? I, you know, it's just, you know, it's a fair question. You know? He wants our schools to be filled with laughter. He wants the workplace to have a, at least a little laughter in it. And certainly at church, God never intended for a Sunday morning worship service to be like a funeral service. You know, that's a little bit weird that you'd say that because isn't a funeral service a church service? You know, it's not that I, you know, I, I get what you're saying by what you're saying. I mean, you you, you don't want the, the you know, a, a church service to feel like a dirge or, you know, a wake or something like that. But I mean, technically, if you really want to be technical, uh, a funeral service is a church service, I, I think. One Sunday morning when you come to church, he wants there to be laughter. He wants people to enjoy him, his people, his temple, his worship. Okay, where in Scripture does it say, when thou comest to church, thou must laugh, because God wantest thou to have laughter? Could I get a little amen on that? He really does. 
I know life is difficult. I know that. It's hard. I can't help from thinking about all those people right now in a mall in Nairobi, Kenya. And I have stayed down the street in a motel from that mall. And I can't imagine what's going on there right now. As they're asking people, are you a Christian? And then to kill them. 59 have already been killed just in the last few hours. 175 have already been seriously injured. I was so thankful my son just came through there, through that airport just a few hours ago and and he's home. Not a whole lot of laughter is going on in that mall right now. And you, you may want to say, you know, in my life, Wes, there are things that are going on in my life that are cruel. Laughter is enjoying, though, a different slice of life. And God wants you to enjoy a different slice of life. He wants you to enter into a worry-free world. He doesn't want you to be worrying all the time. Now, we're gonna, the, the subject of worry is going to be dealt with next week. But today we're talking about laughter. He wants a place in my life and in your life where we can even laugh till we're silly, where we can walk up to our, our wife, our husband, and just hug them and, and just laugh. So is this like the seeker-driven version of uh, the holy laughter movement? What is this this guy's promoting here? This doesn't make any sense. We continue. I don't have to impress. I don't have to, you know, go around wondering what people think about me. I can smell the flowers and that's okay. And he wants there to be a tension-free zone in every one of our lives. Do you guys believe that? Um, Why should I? Um, if God wants there to be a tension-free zone in all of our lives, don't you think the Bible would say, thus saith the Lord, I wantest thou to have a tension-free zone in your life? I mean, what passage says what you're saying? And why are you saying this about God? Believe that. Have you been convinced of that? Have you been raised that way? Do you understand the Bible as saying that? You know? Well, in our family, uh, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughter all the time. And um, especially uh, when uh, two sons are around called Chad and Clint. And uh, since Chad is not in this service, he'll be in the next service. I can freely talk about Chad. And Clint's uh, 175 miles from here. So the other day he sends me this video. And you never know what Clint's going to produce. But uh, I'll just set it up this way and say, apparently he was watching PBS and he's watching this artist by the name of Bob Ross. Anybody familiar with Bob Ross? Well, he's, he's dead now. He's, just, he's dead. But, but there he is. I, I used to watch him and he just sort of amused me. Well, well Clint decided... Through watching him, he was inspired to do his own video of painting to set up a sermon that he's going to preach here in the near future. So, guys, let me just show this video. And I debated whether to show you guys or not. Just watch it. Um, Why aren't you opening your Bible? What is this video you're playing and why should we... We continue...
Welcome to Happy Fun Painting Times. My name is Todd Boss. That's me. Maybe you heard of my cousin. So anyways, we're going to talk about God's big story for the next four weeks. And we're going to start with God's creation. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to paint it. I'm going to teach you how to paint. Come along with me. <laughs> it's like we're in the woods walking together. The first thing you want to do is what I always do, and my mama taught me this, is get acquainted with your tools and your whatnots. And one of the greatest tools is my paintbrush. And I've given him a name. He's kind of an angry fella. <laughs> That's why we call him Mr. Bristles. So we're going to start. We're going to go with God's creation. First of all, God said, I want to make something where all the people in the cars can drive. Maybe you read the story in Exodus. And when you go to this book, you'll find just different things. God got together with his friends, Johu and Jehi. And he said, let's create something beautiful. So he started out in just this beautiful circle. And they said, you know what we're going to call that? We're going to call that metropolis or the world it's greek you wouldn't understand it's okay but anyway they started creating things and it was beautiful skyscrapers oil rigs and they created other things too that were just beautiful and god just steps back he gets out of his rocking chair <laughs> my mom always liked to rock in a rocking chair but anyways he steps back and he says you know what that's beautiful but anything that's beautiful one day, the next day it can change to awful things. They come in and they take your raggedy and doll. You know what I'm saying. But we're going to talk about that next week. It's called The Fall. We'll see you next week. Happy fun time with painting. What was the purpose of that? And they're clapping. Well, at least 10 of you enjoyed that. Uh, uh, Dad thought it was really funny. In fact, uh, there are three more of them, and uh, I've watched the next three several times. Actually, I should clear something up. This was not made for an adult audience, if you didn't figure that out. It was made for the junior high ministry, but I don't know. I understood what he was talking about. I thought it was good. God enjoys our laughter. He really does. He enjoys laughter because laughter means being free, moving into a free zone. Why laughter means moving into a free zone. Uh, apparently, we've moved into the Bible free zone. I, where, do you, where are you getting this from the scriptures, Wes? Why does God love for us to laugh? I'm going to give you five things. You got a place on the back of your program. You can write these down. Just check as you go through and see, am I practicing this? Laughter will make me feel good. It'll make me feel good. There is a great verse found in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. And it says this, a cheerful disposition, that's laughter, is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. What, what translation was that? Okay, Proverbs 17, verse 22. Here's, a, here's what it says in the ESV. A joyful heart is good medicine, okay? But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Crushed spirit. So the antithesis of a joyful heart is a crushed spirit. Yeah, that's not really making your case here, um, Wes, but we continue. Great verse. That's a great verse. You see, laughter is essential 
in your life to have good health, it's important that there's laughter. If not, the opposite happens. Your bones dry up. Your body dries up. Laughter strengthens your body. It fights disease. It fights- so it, laughter is like vegetables. Okay, so you want, you're basically, this is the eat your vegetables sermon, but the vegetables is laughter. You know, rather than getting an in-depth teaching, I feel like we're just hopscotching around the Bible. At least that's what we're going to end up doing, ripping verses out of context. How much, you want to get, we, how much do you want to bet that we hear more jokes than we hear biblical passages? Anyone want to bet with me on that? It fights disease. It fights stress. It lowers the hormone uh, level in your life, whatever that might mean. It lowers blood pressure. It increases energy levels. In fact, it burns calories. Does that not make you feel good right now? In fact, 10 to 15 minutes of laughter will knock off a whopping 50 calories. So you just got to keep laughing for about 15 minutes. In fact, one person figured this out. If you would laugh, uh, you could lose one pound. It would take you 12 hours to do that of laughter. Yeah, I don't see anybody going, you know, starting up some kind of gym programs to help people lose weight. You know, come on, folks, let's get your laughter on. Come on. <laughs> okay, how many, keep your heart rate up. You know, <laughs> you know that, that doesn't, this is ridiculous. 12 hours of just solid laughing. It helps us bond with each other. It helps us bond with each other. And the truth about laughter is absolutely amazing. And this part right here sort of puts me back against the wall. It bothers me what I'm about to reveal to you. It really bothers me. As adults, we laugh about 15 times a day. I don't know who goes around and measures this stuff. Probably somebody from Harvard. You know what I'm saying? 15 times a day, children laugh 400 times a day. Does that alarm you? Does that alarm you? Watch this video. Is this a joke? What is this? Okay, now, what's the deal here? What's the deal? That's the way God created us. And, and, and through time, we move from 400 times on an average of laughing a day to the average adult, only about 10 to 15 laughs a day. That is not what God intended, not at all. You see, laughter is like medicine according to God's word. It's very important that there is laughter in your life. You know, as a really is there really this huge problem in our society that there's just not enough people laughing? Yeah. Pastor's kid growing up in the church parsonage, it's a welfare house, growing up in that house. 
Uh, we used to have a lot of ministers, preachers who would come and stay at our house and preach for my dad. And I, I'd, I'd kind of size them up, whether they were somebody that had fun or if they were somebody that would just sort of always kind of, you know, just extra serious and pious. And I got to be honest with you, most of them, most of them were just plain boring In fact, I remember as a kid growing up in my dad's church, a lot of the Christians, even the leaders in my dad's church, to me, they were boring people. And I decided at a very young age just to live a a twisted life. I decided I'm going to be a cut up. I'm going to goof around. I'm going to do things that are maybe even silly. So, um, what? Wow. Um, this is so you, because you met boring pastors, you decided you were going to be a cut up. That is so brave of you, I'm sure. But, um, maybe you should have decided to be faithful to the preaching and teaching of God's word so that you rightly handled it. I made this video. Um, I made this video. I don't know quite how to set this up because if this is your first time here at daybreak, please, God, help them right now to understand what I'm about ready to do here to them. But I made this video for for you guys some time ago. Some of you remember this. And uh, this uh, went all over the place. And my parents still haven't called me about this, which I'm so thankful. Please, mom and dad, I hope you never see this one. But here's a video. I'm kind of a fan of, of Gene, Gene, Gene Simmons. Um, so watch this. this. This is your pastor uh, in a musical state of mind. So here we go. Just, just watch this. Enjoy. Pray as you watch it. So you're showing a video of you dressed up in kiss makeup like Gene Simmons and playing air guitar. And this is supposed to help me. safe. I know some of you are going, oh my, I hope that wasn't Wes. 
I really hope that wasn't him. Honey, if that's what, we're, we're not coming back here anymore. This is, this is just not good. That, that video is going to cause our kids to go in the wrong direction. I made an early decision to follow Jesus. I also made an early decision. I wasn't going to act like those people. I wasn't going to live a boring life. I wasn't always going to go around like this. And please, I'm going, you're going, he's making, honey, he's making fun of you right now. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, I just decided, I just didn't. This is not God's way. If a child will laugh 400 times a day, what happens to us as adults? A good pastor friend of mine uh, tells a story about Easter Sunday morning. This, this lady shows up in a rabbit outfit on Easter. Uh, this is, wasn't supposed to be like this. She shows up. And of course, people that do those kind of things usually sit not at the back. She sat toward the front. And here she's got this full rabbit outfit on Easter at his church. Down here about the fourth row back and had these humongous ears on the top. And so a well-mannered, carefully worded ushering usher came up and said, Ma'am, would you please take off your, your rabbit ears? They're blocking the view of those who are seated behind you. And here's what she said. Oh no, I can't, I cannot do that. My hair is messed up. If I take those off, it'll show my messy hair. And with a straight face, she said this. She said, and people will think I'll look funny. Um... What on earth does this have to do with sound Christian doctrine? This is ridiculous. I could tell you a few more, but I'll just stop there. Number two, laughter tells me who my friends are. Laughter tells me who my friends are. Look for people who make you laugh. Look for people who love to have fun and laugh and love Jesus. Look for those people. Look for them. Singles, I'm going to go off track here for just a moment. And um, I, I don't know how to say this any plainer than what I'm going to say here. I, I see too many singles looking when they're dating for somebody that has the looks. You know what I mean? The looks, handsome, beautiful. And I just want to stop and go, wait, 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 wait. Look for something deeper than that. In fact, there's two things that I want to encourage everybody who's dating or thinking about dating or might date, whatever. Number one, always, and man, I'm trying, Claudia and I are trying to teach along with our kids, our grandkids, these lessons right here. Number one, make sure the person you're dating, don't even mess unless they absolutely love Jesus and his church. Number one. Okay, that was all the parents, by the way, who just said amen. But I'm serious. Man, 
I deal with so many now that are just, well, I didn't know he was going to be like this. I, did, I, I just, just look for somebody who absolutely loves you. If they don't love Jesus, you don't date them. You don't date them. If they don't love Jesus and they don't come to church, every once in a while you say, well, you know, they, they love Jesus, but they just don't really care for the church. Big, big, bah, 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 bah. don't date them. They're a fake. They're a phony. They're telling you they love Jesus because they want to get their arms around you and do a couple of other things. Number two, make sure they have a sense of humor. Seriously. I could add a third one here and a fourth. A third one, you know, if they're not lavish with you with a pocketbook, just run. (laughs) Just run. If they're stingy and I still got the first dollar bill. I'm telling you, when you get married, you're going to have some serious issues going on in your relationship. Laughter is a sign of good chemistry in your life with that person. Do you laugh together? Do you smile together? Do you have a great time? I'm going to switch gears here. But ministry can be exhausting. It is exhausting. Somebody said to me just recently, you got, you got the dream job of your life. And I said, you're right. And I thought we were on the same track until they said, All you have to do is go up there on the stage every Sunday morning and just, you know, kind of spill out a little bit. I wanted to bust them in the face. (laughs) It's exhausting. And what I've done through the years is to try to circle myself with some close friends who love to laugh and who love to make me laugh. Those are the ones like magnets. I keep keep going back to Number three, laughter gives me a proper perspective on life. Don't take yourself too serious. I mean, sometimes I know preachers, oh, I mean, we just get way too serious. But I meet some people who, you know, think being godly is let's be really, really serious. The other Sunday, my granddaughter was in here. She's, uh, She's all the way up to age five now. And I was fishing for a compliment from her as I'm walking through the, that hallway back to my office, just kind of setting her up. How did, how did granddad do today? You know, I'm thinking five-year-olds, they have nothing, you know, to win or lose here. And granddad, why do you preach so loud? Why do you scream while you preach? It set me back, honestly. It just set me back for a moment. I go, oh, my five-year-old granddaughter just bruised my ego. And then I just broke out, started laughing. I thought, this is funny. This is the way she sees her granddad up here loud and screaming and doing all kinds of, granddad, why do you do that? My point is, don't take yourself too serious. Really, don't take yourself too serious. Number four, laughter pleases God. It really does. Okay. You got a passage that says that in context, more than just a single verse out of context from the Proverbs. When you laugh, it makes the heart of God laugh. Okay. Again, uh, where? He's a joyful God. Nothing is more exciting to me than to hear again, my children 
And every time we get together, it's just a laughter fest. It's a fun fest. One funny story after another. Laughter, laughter, laughter. And now add to that equation, my grandkids. They bring so much joy. Could I get a little shout out from the grandparents here today? Yeah, we know. You know, our kids are boring, right? But the grandkids, I mean, you do, oh, honey, they told me the funniest. I mean, really, they, and I just go, that's the way God wants it. Here's what it says, and I'm, this is a West translation in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. God tells us that a fulfilling life, live the way he designed, it is outrageous and contagious joy. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says something about outrageous and contagious joy? Really? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then it continues, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Yeah, um, we've got a translation problem here as well as a a ripped out of context problem. By the way, Galatians, the book of Galatians is not about having outrageous and contagious joy. It's about rightly understanding the proper distinction of law and gospel. And that's not usually the best time to ask me anything because I'm just just not ready like, uh, whoa, this is great, you know. And uh, I just start talking to her a little bit and. We'll just go, my, you know, there didn't seem to be much life there today. Now, she usually corrects me. Yeah, there was. There, was, there were two people uh, looked like they were enjoying your message. <laughs> Thanks, Claudia. I think the reason people don't want to come to church, one, it's boring. Anybody agree? Please don't say daybreak is boring. Boy, boring. One of my commitments many, many years ago, I said, if I ever get a chance to pastor again, I'm going to make sure every Sunday is loud and not boring. By the way, we've provided you with hearing aids now. Um, Wow, that was awful nice of you. uh, Loud but not boring. Wow, that's so um, great. No, they're hearing uh, earplugs, honestly. They're they're sanitized, everything. They're back there. If it's too loud, Claudia says, then you're too old. Oh, my. I didn't say that. Now, she's going to come up to me later and say, honey, why did you say that? Well, honey, you've said that on different occasions. I've heard you say it to people. Uh, she wants a T-shirt that says that. If it's too loud, you're old. And, oh, oh. God wants our lives to be outrageously fun. And the world looks at us and says, you guys are boring. I think when we finally get a real taste of Jesus in our lives and he changes our disposition instead of, well, you know, my dad was like this, my granddad. Get saved, my friend. Get born again. When you're born again... You're not going to be your granddad anymore and your dad anymore. There's going to be a whole new life and spirit in your life. There's going to be a joy in your life. And people are going to say, man, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. Nehemiah, back in the Old Testament. And again, this is kind of my translation of how I see this verse. God tells us that his own joy is our strength. His joy is our strength. 
You want to be strong here? Have joy in your life. He reciprocates by bringing strength back to you because his joy, watching your joy, he says, I'm going to impart strength to your life. You see, when you... Yeah, you really haven't told me anything accurate or substantive about Nehemiah. Um, we continue. Living a meaningful and a, pers- a purpose-filled life. You will be known by your joy and your laughter instead of a frown on your face and I'm always down and stuff's always bad. Here I go again. Please, Wes, don't act like that. You're going to fall over one of these Sundays. Be known for your fun. Be known for your laughter. Now, don't use laughter for selfish reasons. Don't use it like, and laughing at something you shouldn't. At somebody else's expense. Don't be laughing at dirty jokes, racist comments, prejudice comments. Don't do that. Don't become a billboard like, oh, that was really funny. (laughs) If it was funny to you, just go and hold your breath for like three seconds with your tongue between your teeth and you'll be hurting. You see, everything that God gives, the devil comes right in the back room. He takes anything good. He takes fun and laughter and he perverts it. He perverts it every time. He's a counterfeit. He is the ultimate counterfeit. He wants disrespect. He wants dirty jokes. He wants degrading comments. Be careful what comedians you feed your brain on. I notice a lot of the comedians now, it's like the cool thing to be dirty. And the whole audience is, oh, that's really funny. That's not the kind of laughter I'm talking about. Claudia and I love to laugh. In fact, every once in a while, when we're at a restaurant, we just get carried away. And every once in a while, somebody, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> oh, we're not, we're not drinking. In fact, she was in a restaurant. I won't point what direction. It wasn't our usual. And she was laughing so much, the people in the next booth turned around to Claudia and said, would you please quiet down? Uh, people don't say that to Claudia. She did just what you did. I laughed, kind of went up a notch or two. And so when we drive by that restaurant, I don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. And don't come up and ask her or me after the service. Whoa, 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 restaurant. It, it was within, uh, I'll go like a three mile radius of where you're at right now. Let me say this. You don't have to drink alcohol to have fun and to laugh. You really don't. I always love it when there's three people who agree with some of the statements I make. (laughs) Number five, laughter heals. This is my last point. Laughter heals. Life is not all fun. It's not all happy. And you know, I've talked to you about that. Life is not... The goal here is not to be happy, happy, happy. And I know some songs that we've all been raised on in Sunday school and church, happy, happy. And, and that, that's not the real picture of Jesus. It's not all going to be happiness. It's not all going to be joy filled every day. We do live in a, a sick world, a fallen world. And we're going to face times when there is no laughing. I know that. But the Bible promises over in Psalms 126, 
again, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. Those of us who have committed our lives to Jesus will have their tears turn into songs of joy. In this verse, he talks about sowing seeds of tears, but he said, stay with it. In the morning, you'll be laughing. You see, life can cause us to focus on the negative and we can live our lives in fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I heard a, actually I read this story the other day and it caused me to laugh. I hope it does the same for you. I hope it's not like the Lord's Prayer. I forget about the third line. Give you the punchline out of place. This lady, this is supposed to be a funny story, so could you listen to me like that? It's supposed to be a funny story. Thank you for laughter. Her husband died. You don't need to laugh there. Something strange over here in this section. Her husband died after 40 years of marriage. She sort of locked her way, uh, her house up, pulled the shades. And for months, she kind of went into a deep depression. Didn't want to talk to anybody. Didn't want to see anybody. Didn't want to get out and do things. Didn't want to have fun anymore. One day she had it. And so she decided that she was going to do something about it. And she remembered that her husband had a great friend who owned a pet store. And so she went down to the pet store one day and she looked up her husband's friend and she said, you know, um, I'm really interested in a pet. And so he showed her all the puppies and the, the, the kitties. Uh, I, I don't know why anybody ever want to buy a cat, but showed her the cats. I probably just split the audience there in half. Show, showed uh, turtles and lizards and even a snake. And she said, I'm really not interested in any of those. And especially the cats, I'm not interested in the cats. <laughs> and finally, he said, I think I have the thing for you. Now it's expensive, but I think it's the right thing. It's my favorite parrot. And so he took her into a side room where there were several cages and beautiful parrots. It, notice again. We're getting a lot of funny stories. And how many verses have we had? By my count, two. And he said, this one communicates all the time. Everybody comes in. It's hello, hello. How are you today? You're going to love this. This, this parrot, you're going to have the time of your life. Oh, she said, don't even need to tell me the price. I bought it. And it was expensive, real expensive. So she bought it, took it home, set it up. And she was so excited about the first word. Not a single word the first day. Not the second day. In fact, for six days, that parrot did not say a word. Oh, she couldn't believe it. So maybe I'm not doing something right. So she went back to the pet store, talked to her friend, and said, my parrot never said a word. He said, oh, 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 your parrot, your parrot needs a ladder in the cage. She didn't quite understand that, but she said, okay, I'll buy, buy, buy the ladder. And so she bought the ladder and put it in the cage thing. Well, there's something to the ladder. And she set it up, you know, so kind of climb up the ladder. And again, several days passed, not a single word from the parrot. Oh, she could, what is wrong? Did I said it? And so she went back to the pet store and said, not a word. You bought the, you bought, you bought the ladder, didn't you? But I should have told you that parrot, when you put a mirror in there, that parrot is going to talk. Trust me. 
it needs to see its face occasionally. And so, okay, show me that. So she bought the little mirror, put the mirror, and she set the ladder with, with the mirror right at the top so it had to climb up there, and then it would see itself in the mirror. And, and again, several days passed, and not a single word from that pair. Oh, oh, she's upset. And so she goes back one more time. And I should have told you that parrot loves to feel like he's at home. He needs a rocking chair. Okay. So she buys the rocking chair, takes the rocking chair, puts it in the cage. You know, maybe this time it'll go up the steps. It'll look at itself in the mirror. It'll come down. It'll kind of sit in the rocker a little bit. It'll rock and it'll start. And it didn't say a word. Did not say a word. And the parrot died. Oh, now she's steaming. She goes back to the pet store, finds her husband's friend. And she said, I don't know this This parrot died on me. I spent a lot of money on it. I bought a nice cage. I bought a ladder. I bought a mirror. I bought a rocking chair. And he looked at her and he said, well, did the parrot say anything, anything before it died? Well, there was one thing right before the parrot died. Well, what was that? And a kind of a whisper voice, is there any food at that pet store? So, th- uh, this is what passes as a sermon. Just a really bad joke. All under the auspices of, well, you need to laugh. You'll live longer. You'll burn some calories. It's good medicine for the soul, so I'm going to uh, stand up and do stand-up comedy. How many times we get caught up in this, this, try this, try that, try that. And God just simply wants to say, ultimately, joy comes from me, comes from Almighty God. The fact is, you are in the eyes of God. You are in his hands. He cares for you. He loves you. This real laughter comes from discovering an amazing way in which God heals us from our sins. And sin takes an awful toll on our life. It robs people of joy. Um, boy, it does more than that. It sends people to hell. And living a life apart from God will eventually leave you like the person in the study Only 15 laughs a day. It's all gone. And God says, Oh no, sin's going to make it so that I only have 15 laughs in a day. What am I going to do? I'm doomed. This is ridiculous. This isn't Christianity. This isn't biblical doctrine. This isn't Christian preaching. This is not a sermon that's really teaching me anything about the mind and heart of God. This is nonsense. I don't want you to spend your life like that. I want you to have a lasting joy. I want you to have a lasting laughter in your bones. You know, God looked down and he saw what a mixed up, messed up world we live in. Even right now, it is so messed up. 
It is so broken. It is so sin sick. All over the world, all over the world today. Father God saw that and said, my people are broken. There is no laughter in the land. People are trying this. They're going there. They're spending this. They're all trying to find that joy, that happiness. And he sent his son, Jesus. He sent him not as a comedian, but he sent him to show us the way of real joy and real peace. I believe here today, and as I was working on this message, I just felt like there would be some people here today in the middle of some funny stories and some funny videos. They would say, Wes, I got to be honest with you. My heart is full of sin. It's full of non-laughter. I have to make myself laugh, Wes. My heart is full of sin and non-laughter. Really? That's what our big concern here is, is that somebody's heart is full of non-laughter? Yeah, I, who knew that that's the thing that could really send you to hell? You, you're just not laughing enough. You better start laughing. <laughs> Otherwise, God's going to send you to hell because of that sin in your heart. This is unbelievable. I have to take a drink to get funny and laugh. And God says, I don't want you to live your life like that anymore. I want to give you true, down deep, soul joy. I'm going to take just a moment here. And I just wonder, right where you're at, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But you would say, Wes, I want what you were talking about today. I have sadness in my life. I'm overwhelmed with burdens in my life. I call myself a Christian, but I got to be honest with you. I'm a sad Christian. I'm a sad Christian. I, so we're going to have an altar call here for people who are Christians and are sad. What is going on? And I know my kids really don't want the God that I tell them that I serve because of the sadness in my life. I want yeah, I see. So, th- so they're going to go to hell because I'm not happy enough. Oh, man. Something real. I want real joy in my life. Or you may be here today and this is your first time. And something has clicked with you today. You said, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for real joy. I'm looking for somebody to forgive me. I'm looking for someone to give me that peace. I'm going to pray right now. And right there in the privacy of where you're at, I just want you to say, oh, God, you can say it out loud. Dear Jesus, just say it out loud. All of you can say it with me if you want. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need you more than anything. Just say it. I recognize I need you more than anything. I need joy in my life. Just say it. I need joy. I need the forgiveness of sins in my life. Because I don't have enough laughter and joy. Just say it out loud. I need forgiveness. I invite you into my heart and into my life. Thank you, Jesus, 
So you're going to – I was right. He's having an alt. He, oh, man, this is ridiculous. He ended the sermon with an altar call type prayer for people who have committed the sin of not laughing enough and not burning enough calories while laughing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and folks, that was a real sermon. That wasn't a joke. But as much as it wasn't a joke, it was a complete joke because that wasn't Christian preaching. That's not sound biblical doctrine. That's utter and complete nonsense. So what did you think? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>